You're listening to Thrift, what your garage sale says about you. A podcast that explores the stories behind the things we once loved and are ready to let go of. Thanks for the memory of rainy afternoons, swingy Harlem tunes, motor trips and burning lips and burning toast and prunes. How lovely it was. Hello everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to this final episode of the first season of Thrift. In case this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, my name is Maggie Blaha, and in each episode, I visit a yard sale and interview people about the stuff they're selling and buying. I thought that talking about yard sales would be a good way to explore our relationship to stuff, the things we own that don't exactly serve a purpose in our lives, why we hold on to them, and when, if ever, we decide to let them go. If you're new to the podcast and you like what you hear, I hope you'll stick around and start listening from the beginning. There are only six episodes, and each one is about 10 to 15 minutes long. So you can pretty much binge them all in a single 60-minute workout session. Though I would recommend listening while doing more leisurely things, like drinking a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, cooking dinner, or maybe sorting through things you'd like to sell at your own yard sale. Just a heads up that I'm going to be taking a short break to work on season two, but I'd love to hear from you while I'm away. Please feel free to share your questions about the podcast and ideas for future episodes by sending an email to hello at thriftpodcast.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'll share my usernames in the show notes. And even though I won't be putting out new episodes during the break, there will be some extra special content that I'll be sharing with newsletter subscribers. You'll find a link to sign up in the show notes. So again, thanks to everyone who has already subscribed. For the season finale, I want to recap what I've learned while creating the last five episodes. After visiting a variety of yard sales, I think that the people I talked to had some unique perspectives on why we hold on to stuff and why we would even bother to have a yard sale. At the time I'm recording this episode, I'll be in the process of moving from Atlanta, Georgia, my home for the past five years, to Brooklyn, New York. Next season, most of my episodes will be based out of New York and New Jersey. But the point I'm making here is that moving has forced me to sort through my possessions and decide what's worth keeping, even though I'm not actually having a yard sale. I had accumulated a lot of stuff after five years in Atlanta, and deciding what I was going to throw away or donate wasn't as challenging as I thought it would be, mainly because I just wanted the whole ordeal of moving to be over. I noticed that I didn't have a problem parting with furniture or kitchen appliances or clothes. They're all replaceable, and I don't find myself missing them on a daily basis. Not that whether or not you use or even see something on a daily basis should be a litmus test for what you keep or throw away. The things I couldn't part with were my journals and notebooks and college papers, post-its and index cards with random notes scribbled on them, planners that help establish a timeline for the past 10 years, postcards and knickknacks and mementos from traveling and other poignant moments in my life. I wanted to hold on to these things, but I don't look at them every day, every month or ever, really. I couldn't even bring myself to look through my old journals when I was packing. It would have been too emotional. There are some things you shouldn't throw away. Journals are one of those things. And then there are all the books I keep accumulating faster than I can read them. So I have a fairly extensive unread library, an anti-library, as Umberto Eco would say. I'm still on the fence about whether I should continue trying to read them all or just accept that if I've had a book for more than two years and still haven't read it, I never will. This was one of the conclusions that Coco came to in the first episode. Um, I have a lot of books that I finally um, accepted that I am either never going to read or never going to read again. 
Is there anything that you you find particularly difficult to have to part with, or was there anything that you guys sold that you felt was kind of hard to part with? Um, I am so ready to just like have fewer things okay. that I don't really feel any any sort of trauma. I don't. I don't um, either. But it's not that well thought out. Like I could be selling some things that I will miss, but I I'm just like very so maybe impulsively like. Yeah. Parting with things right now. There yeah. were some. There were some furniture items that were. It was kind of like surprising yeah. to see them go for less than they seemed to be worth. Oh you know? yeah, that's oh, like yeah. hard to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some good like mid-century pieces that I just like have looked at for too long, <laughs> and um, I'm sure that they were probably flipping those. The guy yeah. even said to me, "If this lamp turns out to be worth a lot of money," I was like, "Just remember me well. <laughs> it's fine." <laughs> When I was packing to move, I found Coco's method of not thinking about what she was getting rid of helpful when it came to my closet. But my books? I couldn't let go of any of them. And you know what? That gives me joy. <laughs> As with the journals, I'll most likely never read again. I think that parting with them would be too much like parting with previous versions of myself. Only, I'm not sure how real or authentic the person who is depicted on thousands of pages of notebook paper really is. After reading the diary of Anne Frank at a young age, I've always had this awareness while journaling that my diaries might one day be found and read and, dare I say, published as if I were somebody. In this image or fantasy, I'm not sure what to call it, I have about my diaries being discovered, I am dead. This is never made explicit in my imaginings, I'm just gone. Gone after a short life. A life interrupted. For me, my diaries are tied up with my own mortality. My diaries are written records, whether they're factual or not, that will remain after I die. This is the pressure I feel when I write. My words have significant weight because they will be my life after death. I think I also feel this way about other things I own, particularly my books. I can technically die at any moment. If I do, what books do I want to be found on my shelves? What sort of life do I want people to imagine I had based on my possessions? We all want to leave behind a record of ourselves, and the things we buy or collect at different points in our lives is our way of writing that record. I'll go as far as to say that it's the surest way we can maintain control over our narratives after we die. We're curating the stuff that surrounds us for a purpose. My friend Georgia, you know, we had to go through stuff when her mom died, and it's like, all that little stuff is... It's just work for somebody else. Yeah, I was helping helping my friend go through her storage unit because this is stuff she's had in there for two years and not even seen. Oh, wow. And uh, it's, so what makes it possible to let it go? So we made a little progress, and then all of a sudden she just kind of shut down as far as she could go. Linda has experienced firsthand what it's like to sort through the things a loved one leaves behind. She helped her friend Georgia go through her late mother's storage locker. Linda even made the very difficult decision to sell a few items that once belonged to her own mother. When someone dies and their possessions are all that remain, it can feel like you're giving away pieces of that person. What Linda learned from going through her mother's belongings is that stuff really is just stuff. Your stuff is not you. And this lesson helped her part with a lot of her own stuff that she didn't need anymore. Our mother passed away seven years ago and... Uh... You know, we still have those little remnants that we've hung on to different things. That, that was mama's, that was mama's. Like, I, I donated a couple 
just hummingbird feeders. You know, I wasn't oh. even using them, but yeah. they were mamas, you know. Have so they sold already? They're gone, yes. Yeah. They're gone, yeah. So, Got anyway, it. that's enough. <laughs> so what made, what made you uh, ready to kind of let this... Oh, me? I've reached this thing in my house. I mean, I emptied out my attic. I did that last year, and I have a big shed out back, uh, and I ha- have... I, I, I used to always be a collector. I always collect horses and lamps and clocks. And now I'm just down to one clock. I've got a little bit of the horses left. But just something happened, and I, it's like, I don't want somebody to have to deal with this if something happens to me, you know? At the Atlanta Cosplay Yard Sale, it was very important for the vendors I spoke with to find good homes for their old costumes. They couldn't just donate them to Goodwill or a thrift store. They needed to find cosplayers who would appreciate them. I have been going through my stuff for a while, um, deciding that I don't need as much stuff as I have, and um, but holding on to it because I wasn't. I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, going somewhere that it would be appreciated. Which sounds a little silly when I say it out loud, but um, I thought that this would be a great place to, you know, see people's ideas on how to reuse things and um, clear out my house. We were just talking about how cool it is to do events like this because you have things that you're like, I don't want to just give this to Goodwill. I wanted to go someone who will really appreciate it for what it is and enjoy it. It's fun when um, when someone finds something that they're like, oh, this is exactly what I needed, or it's perfect for them, and they're excited and you're excited to see it go to someone who will enjoy it. You do this for a while, you accumulate things that are just taking up space in your closet at this point um, that are still useful to someone. That was the first episode where my interviewees explicitly mentioned wanting to find a good home for their stuff. But I think it's what's at the heart of a yard sale. Maybe if I had planned to have a yard sale before I moved, I would have been more willing to give up some of my books. Or maybe I'm hopeless. (laughs) In case you were wondering, pretty much everyone I talked to said there was an expiration date for the things they wanted to sell. Some of this stuff was like my favorite clothes in high school uh and it's been a hot minute like my my 10th anniversary has already passed to give you an idea (laughs) but uh some of it is you know like I bought it with the intention of wearing it and then it sat in my closet for two years and never got worn so saying goodbye to it how long would you say you've had most of the things that you guys are selling It varies. I would say anywhere up to 10 years. Okay. Nothing longer than that. That's interesting. 10 years seems to be like the mark that people have had all of really? this stuff. That they're, yeah. Yeah. Huh. That must be the shelf life for stuff. Um, yeah, and a lot of it is less than that. Um, but I would say the maximum is 10 years. Okay. Um, and then... So it doesn't sound like there's anything that you find particularly difficult to part with. Nope. Okay. That wraps up the first season of Thrift. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much.